Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a word that is familiar to most people today, but when they think of yoga, they think of a more narrow meaning of physical exercise. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity. And the practice of Kriya Yoga involves bringing our attention and awareness together with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Our topic for today is Building Harmony, the Role of Interspirituality. We're going to be discussing the role of interspiritual study in helping to bring forth the harmony that is so badly needed in our lives and our world today, as well as the contribution that the practice of yoga makes to this emerging interspiritual paradigm. We're going to be talking about how the wisdom at the core of all faith traditions helps us to recognize our essential oneness and to move towards solutions that honor this truth. My guest today is Rami Shapiro, an award-winning author of over 30 books on religion and spirituality, as well as a columnist for Spirituality and Health magazine, and the host of the weekly podcast, Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami. Rami received rabbinic ordination from Hebrew Union College and earned a Ph.D. from Union Graduate School. He was initiated into the Ramakrishna order of Vedanta Hinduism by Swami Swahananda in 2011. Rami is editor of the recent re- recently released book that we're going to be talking about today, The World Wisdom Bible, A New Testament for a Global Spirituality. 
You can find out more about Rami at the websites, rabbirami.com, which is R-A-B-B-I-R-A-M-I.com, and oneriverfoundation.org. Welcome, Rami Shapiro. I'm delighted that you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. I'm really happy to be here, Laurel. Thanks for inviting me. So before we dive into our dialogue about building harmony and the role of interspirituality, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Let's take this moment, this yoga moment, to turn our attention within. And we can use a tool that is always with us, our breath. So let's begin by taking a fully conscious breath, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Not trying to change the rhythm of our breathing, but just noticing Cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. We can use our breath as a tool to help us dive within and open our heart to the divine presence that is with us and is as us every minute. This one reality called by many names is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here and right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone and everything. It's within us between us and all around us. Just by being present now and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and as they pass away. Just by noticing, by being the witness, we become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change. Pure existence being. We feel the peace that emanates from the essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Once again, Rami Shapiro, welcome to the Yoga Hour. Thanks again. Happy to be here. 
And congratulations on the publication of the World Wisdom Bible, A New Testament for Global Spirituality, which you edited. I I really love the inner spiritual nature of the book and how it, it draws on scriptures of seven of the world's major religious traditions, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Confucianism, and Taoism. So how, how did this book come about, and how did you get involved with it? Well, it came about because when I turned 65, which is just about a year ago, my birthday is next week, I'll be 66. When I turned 65, I was, I don't know, you just sort of a life review, and I'm looking to see what, what have I done that's impacted the world the way I wanted to impact it. You know, how, how have I, what have I done to change consciousness, to, to serve the divine in that way, to serve the evolution of divinity in, in each of us? And I couldn't come up with anything. And so then I shifted the question. So what would you want to do? And, you know, I'm, I'm a wordsmith. I work with language. I write books. I talk and I just receive this. I don't know what you want to call this idea that what we needed was uh, a a collection of the non-dual perennial wisdom teachings from all of the world's religions. Now, you know, I only use the ones that you mentioned. We're we're going to expand that on our website. But um, the idea was to create something that demonstrated in print the shared perennial wisdom that uh, is at the mystic heart of all these different religions, and I would say every religious tradition. And mm-hmm. that's what we were we were hoping for. And I think we've achieved it. If you know, the, that's only part one. Producing the book was part one. There's a there's a second and a third part to it. Right, which I was going to ask you about in a minute. But why don't we go there now? So, what's your vision for the book? So, for the book, the original vision of the book came to me in in a motto form, and the motto was. Move over Gideon. Now, I don't know how many people, <laughs> yeah, you have to be a certain age, I think, to get the joke. But if you're familiar with the Gideon Bible, I mean, Gideon International has been around forever, and they uh, provide, or they place copies of the King James Version of the Bible in hotel rooms and hospital beds and wherever they can get permission. There's a, there's a, a Gideon Bible, and I wanted to place a World Wisdom Bible next to it. I have no problem with the Bible that the Gideons are producing. I mean, I have problems with every sacred scripture, but I'm not opposed to it. I'm not asking the hotel to take that Bible out and put the World Wisdom Bible in. But I think that there's there's a need for a broader image. So the World Wisdom Bible doesn't promote any religion in particular. It promotes a certain philosophy, the philosophy that you articulated at the beginning of the show, the absolute non-duality of everything, or everything is a manifesting of a divine uh, unity, divine reality. So we we wanted uh, our first our first goal was to get copies of the book placed next to every copy of Gideon. So we created the One River Foundation, which is a not-for-profit. Uh, organization that's designed to do just that. We raise money, we we purchase books at a discount, and we find uh, fellow travelers who are willing to take them to retreat centers and, and hotels and other places, religious centers, community centers, and see if we can just give them away. I mean, you can certainly buy the book on Amazon, but our focus is on actually providing the books at no charge. So that was part two. And that 
Um, that's underway. But uh, what we heard right away was people said, you know, receiving a box of books and finding places to uh, to house them is one thing. But I want to talk about the book. I want to I, I need a community to, to have a conversation. So the third thing we did uh, is create something called Cup of Wisdom. So my my personal motto for all the things I do is it has to come with what you say in Yiddish, a tchotchke, something, a book or something that goes with whatever I'm doing. So Cup of Wisdom is a a salon that you'd run out of your house and you contact us. We send you a box of 12 uh, copies of the World Wisdom Bible and 12 mugs with the Cup of Wisdom logo on it and a leadership guide that will actually help you walk through the Bible over an 11-session period. I mean, you can do all 11, you can do it just once. It's completely up to you. And these are sent out uh, at no charge to the host. We we operate on a pay-it-forward basis. So the, the last salon is paying for the next salon, and we ask you to donate. But if you don't donate and or you can't donate, we send you, it's about a $300 it's it's a it's a product that costs about three hundred dollars, and we wow. send it to you anyway. And then if you've got ten or fifteen people who can chip in and pay it back or pay it forward, so that another group can do it, then you know we're really happy. But we don't charge you directly, and that yeah. the mugs are in uh, what would you call it in production at the moment. The books are ready. The mugs wow. are coming. And we've already got a wow. list of people who say, "I want a box. I want a box." So that's so great. We're, we're excited. So this about really that. touches on that. you know what I when I wanted to ask you about. So obviously we you know started the program with this idea of inner spiritual study, um, and you've just kind of in the work that you have outlined, you have you know you've created kind of a container for inner spiritual study. So why is that important, and particularly today? You know, what do you see as the you know essential um, thing that you're hoping will arise out of inner spiritual study? So I think two things are going on at the moment globally. One is a fear-driven return to tribalism in a siloed religion where, you know, if you're Jewish, you're just going to do Jewish. If you're Christian, you're just going to do Christian. If you're Hindu, you're just going to do Hindu. And you don't want to blend these things. There, there are lots of people who are running away from the globalism, the spiritual globalism of, of the 21st century. In opposition to this uh, retreat into the silo is a real hunger for interspirituality, to realize that there is a, th- this perennial wisdom, this kernel of truth that all religions share. Each religion articulates it in its own way so that the more religions you know, the more substantive your understanding becomes, the more subtle your understanding becomes. All for the purpose, as you stated in the very beginning, to realize this oneness manifesting as you and I and and everything else in the universe. So, I think it's crucial, because if there's no countervailing voice that's saying, look, let's look at the perennial, then all we have is this rush to the parochial, and that is going to lead us down a very dark tunnel. Uh Mm-hmm. So, what's interesting to me um, 
about the tack that you take in, in the World Wisdom Bible, which I really appreciate because sometimes um, the fear, I guess, about inner spirituality is that we're not saying that all religions are saying exactly the same thing. But we're saying that there is a, you know, that there is something that each religion is shining a light that looks awfully much the same that's at the core of the mystical tradition of each religion. Um, but you don't take time trying to like argue the point, which is, I think, right. what maybe people fear about interspiritual discussions, is they don't want to get into discussions about, you know, like, well, mine is right and yours is wrong, or, you know, um, you know they're all, um, you know, they're all the same. Um, there are people who would argue about that. So, you know, what, um, have, have you encountered fear about that on people's parts of, you know, people putting up their hand? Maybe not. They're the ones who are bold and brave and willing to go, you know, into this, uh, you know, into an, an inner spiritual realm and not worry about, um, not worry about the kind of, uh, um, you know, I don't know, partisan? <laughs> is that, yeah, is yeah. that a good description? Well, you know, uh, first of all, we don't want to create, and I certainly don't want to create some kind of spiritual Esperanto, you know, that there's some kind of, I don't know, it'd be like a religious tofu or something that, that's all sort of bland and we all get along because we, that's all we believe in. Now, I, I think right. that each religion is unique. Christianity and Judaism and Islam and Hindu, they're, they're not the same at all. And if there were, they'd be redundant, right? So it's not that they're right. the same. But at their mystical heart, I think they're pointing in the same direction. And that's what we call the perennial wisdom. So there's just four points to perennial wisdom. One is, as you again said in the very beginning, everything is a manifesting of the one thing. You can call it, you know, God, Allah, Mother, Nature, Universe, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, number two, that humans at least, maybe not exclusively, but humans have a innate capacity to know this. So, you know, in, in the context of the show, I mean, you're using yoga to awaken us to uh, this this knowledge, not as an intellectual thing only, but as a full-bodied, what Freud called a polymorphously perverse, you know, awakening, that our entire being is awake to the oneness. So that's point number two. Point number three is that when you awake, it carries an ethical obligation. When you know that you and... The stranger are one. You can't exploit the stranger. When you know that you and nature are one, you can't exploit nature. It just is no longer possible. So it carries this ethic of universal justice and compassion. And then the fourth point is, this is why you are born. This is the highest calling that humans uh, can achieve, to awaken to this oneness and live out that ethic. And those who are concerned that we're going to erase the, the uniqueness of the religion only have to flip through the pages of the World Wisdom Bible and see, no, no, we're just quoting from their religion. And if you want to celebrate, you know, we just, uh, yesterday was Easter, and I didn't celebrate Easter, but millions and millions and millions of people did. Right. Now, I wouldn't want that I wouldn't want to have to celebrate Easter, and I wouldn't want them not to celebrate Easter, because the language of Easter is unique, and you don't want to lose it. But I think the deeper mystic message of Easter is, in fact, universal. And you don't have to be a Christian to, not only to appreciate it, but even to awaken to it. So, yeah. so we want, we want to honor the distinct, distinctive nature of every religion, but the World Wisdom Bible focuses on the mystic heart that they all share. Right. 
No, it's really, it's beautiful, beautiful explanation. And, of course, uh, the approach that is taken at, at uh, Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, which is the, you know, the, the group that, that um, supports this program, the Yoga Hour. Um, so one of the things I wanted to touch on, and, and just maybe um, for a minute before we go to the break, is it was interesting to me that you chose the word Bible, for yeah. you know, for the title, and I actually had to look it up um, because I, you know, when I hear the word Bible, I think more of you know the two religions that you kind of associate it with is you know Christianity and Judaism. Although, as I realized when I looked it up, it actually means the sacred writings of any religion. So when you know that, it makes total sense. So what what uh, what was behind the choice of the word Bible in the title? Okay, I'll tell you that in a second, but I'm surprised you didn't pick up on the subtext, the subtitle, A New Testament for Global Spirituality. I mean, we, we, we ripped off everybody, you know, in the, in the Judeo-Christian model there. The, the answer to your question is marketing. That we were looking, we were looking for something that would just, like, like it did for you. You go, what? A world wisdom Bible? What? What is that? A New Testament for a global spirituality? What is that? We thought it would be intriguing. Now, we did have some right. people push back and say, oh, that's terrible. It makes me think of Judaism or Christianity. I don't want anything to do with it. Well, okay, you have to get over yourself. But, <laughs> you know, what, if, if you say any, a world wisdom anthology, I mean, I'm, I'm asleep before I even finish the, the, the word anthology. <laughs> so, so this is supposed to be... Just to, you know, sh- shock you, grab your attention, maybe you'll pull it off the shelf in the bookstore uh, or, or read about it on the internet and see, oh, oh, this is, this is interesting. So that's why we right. went with, with both Bible and New Testament. Wow, that is great. And I, and it did just go over my head about the New Testament, so that's great. <laughs> Let's go to the break and then, uh, and then come back, uh, and talk some more about the World Wisdom Bible. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with our guest, Rami Shapiro, an award-winning author of over 30 books on religion and spirituality, a columnist for Spirituality and Health Magazine, and he also has a podcast, Central Conversations with Rabbi Rami. You can find out more about him at his website, RabbiRami.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. When we come back from the break, we'll be exploring more about the oneness manifesting at, as all. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world that's easier than ever with mobile giving just text unity radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives Available, you pray the free prayer app from Silent Unity. For more than a century, people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to Silent Unity. With you pray, our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access. With you pray, you can send your prayer directly to Silent Unity. You pray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends, plus audio meditations for your prayer time. For more about the free you pray app and links to download. 
visit silentunity.org slash app. That's silentunity.org slash app. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Uh, I'm joined today by Rami Shapiro, author of over 30 books on religion and spirituality. And the author, I'm sorry, the editor of the recently published World Wisdom Bible. You can find out more about the World Wisdom Bible at the website oneriverfoundation.org. Yoga, Rami, <laughs> holds that there is uh, one source, supreme consciousness, that is manifesting as all that is, which is basically the same, you know, approach that the World Wisdom Bible is taking as you, as you mentioned, the, you know, this, uh, focusing on the perennial wisdom. I really enjoy Yogacharya O'Brien's pithy summary, which is in four brief phrases. It is one. We are it. We forget. We remember. So as I've mentioned, you know, this is, this is, um, you know, this is sort of the essential starting place, uh, for both yoga and for the World Wisdom Bible and perennial wisdom. Uh, so in the, World Wisdom Bible, you actually start with the first chapter, um, that there is one ultimate reality that is all. And you draw the distinction that we're not speaking about the God of any theology or religion, but rather the eternal and unnameable reality beyond all systems of belief. You describe this ultimate reality not as a noun, but a verb, and not as a person, but a process. And I, I really enjoyed those distinctions, and I would love it if you could elaborate on that for us. Sure, I, I would be happy to do that. Let, let me just go back for a second, because I love uh, Yogacharya O'Brien's you know, phrase, it is one, we are it, we forget, we remember. You know, it, it, right. in my life, it's, uh, it is one, we are it, I forget, I remember, I forget again. <laughs> oh, I remember for a second. Right. Oh, damn it, I forgot right. it again. You know, it's right. always in and out. But the interesting thing is when I've when I when I know I've forgotten, I've already remembered. So right. it's it's not right. exactly you know, it's not steps like, oh you forget and then you you remember again. It's once I know I've forgotten, I'm instantaneously okay. remembering. And right. And the word remember, if you put a hyphen after the the re, so it's R-E hyphen member, that's another way of defining yoga, right? And so, mm-hmm. so it's putting all this stuff back together again. It, it's, it's all pointing in the, in the same direction. As far as this notion about noun and verb and person and process, my understanding, my experience is, and it's not certainly in any way unique to me but but my experience is that uh, there there are no nouns in the universe we, noun is simply a grammatical conceit there's only verbs there's only process there's only happenings you know when the 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 key term that Judaism uses for god in in the hebrew is the unpronounceable yod hey vav hey the the y h v h that 
we sadly horrifically define as Lord, or not define, but use as a use Lord as a euphemism. Uh, right. Lord is a noun. Lord is masculine. Lord is hierarchical. It's everything that the actual name of God in the in the Torah is not. The the name in the Bible is a verb. It, it's hmm. really untranslatable in English, but it's sort of. I am happening as I am happening. And so, you know, you couldn't actually define, uh, translate it this way because it would be so awkward every time it shows up. But you, you'd say, you know, I am the happening, happening is all happening at this very moment. And that's all there is, 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 is happening. So you and I, and, and I would say everything else is its own unique uh, manifesting or happening of, of God. I want to avoid, you know, nouns by, by making it using gerunds instead. When we know this, when we know this, I think it's so liberating because then there's no essential me anymore. There's just God, okay, Rami-ing. You know, one of my, I think it was Reb Zalman, who, who was my, my uh, Rebbe in Judaism, um, he told me once that I am simply the way God walks my dog. <laughs> you know, don't get excited. You know, you're just the way God walks your dog. And of course, the dog is also God. But uh, no, it's just, it's just all this, this amazing happening. Um, right. And I think that's just such a liberating thing to know. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we've been, you know, alluding to this World Wisdom Bible, and, and I wanted to give our listeners more of a sense of what they might find. And when, since we're talking about ultimate reality, I was wondering if you'd be willing to share a few of the selections under ultimate reality with our listeners from the different traditions that use many names to point to the nameless. Sure. Now, the interest, okay, yes, I want, I want, Prejudice it. I'll just read a couple. So this is from the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna is speaking. And Krishna says, The whole world is pervaded by me, yet my form is not seen. All living things have their being in me, yet I am not limited by them. So that's, that's from the Hindu tradition. Yeah. Here's something from, um, from, from Judaism. With respect to the Holy One, there is nothing into which the One could not expand, because there is nothing other than the One itself. So I think they're saying the same thing. It seems yeah. to me that they're really pointing yeah. in in the same direction. Right. In First uh, Corinthians, Paul says, "Those who join themselves to God are of the same spirit as God." Oh, that's again. It it seems the same when Jesus says, "You know, uh, I and the Father are one." You know, it's another languaging using the Father, but the notion that that you know, I and the Father are one is again the same kind of of uh, realization. So I'll just give you one more from the Buddhist tradition: All the Buddhas and all sentient beings are nothing but the one mind, besides which nothing exists. This mind, which is without beginning, is unborn and indestructible. It transcends all limits, measures, names, traces, and comparisons. Only awake to the one mind. That's from Huang Po in the, in the Zen tradition. So, 
you know, they're, they're all saying to me, they're all using the language unique to their tradition to point beyond their tradition to something that is really beyond language. But there's mm-hmm. no need to fight over that. <laughs> you know, the mm-hmm. problem comes when, I mean, just for example, go back to the, the statement uh, where, where Jesus says, you know, I and the Father are one, and no one can come to the Father except through me. So if you're a Christian, you tend to limit that to the egoic Jesus, Jesus himself, the one and only Jesus, just as you are the one and only Laurel and I'm the one and only Rami, the one and only Jesus is saying that he and God are one and that no one comes to God except through this one and only Jesus. I don't read it that way. Now, partly, I'm certainly because I'm not a Christian, but coming from the perennial viewpoint, to think that Jesus is speaking on the egoic level is ridiculous. He's speaking as as an awake person, as a self-realized person, as a Buddha, as a you know someone who who realizes that mm-hmm. all beings are one with God. So, and then when he says uh, no one comes to the Father except through me, he doesn't again mean the worship of Jesus. He means you have to put on the mind of Christ. You have to put on the only way to get to the unity is to realize the unity yourself, and you have to do what he did which is to make that, is, is to have that realization. So, when you're dealing with the religions at that level, the mystical level, then everyone learns from everybody. And there's no need, you know, as a Jew, I'm not at all threatened by, by that teaching. Uh, just like I'm not threatened by the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita or Patanjali or any of these other great saints. Because I realize that before I'm a Jew, I'm a human. And they're speaking to the optimal human condition the condition of humanity when humanity realizes its own divinity. Right. Right. I've been uh, reflecting on a prior conversation I had on prior yoga with uh, Will Keepen, uh, who uh, traced the the um, divine love that's present in multiple uh, faith traditions. Anyway, he had this beautiful... Uh, way of describing, you know, the, you know, the many paths up the mountain where, um, you know, as you're going up a certain side of the mountain, you know, and it's the Judaism side of the mountain, all, all you see are, you know, Judaism temples. <laughs> and the Hindu side, you know, you only see the Hindu temples and the Christian side, you see all the Christian churches. But once you get to the mountaintop, you know, the top, which is really what we're talking about here is that experience, you realize that they're, you know, they all are leading to the same spot. And you can actually see that there are multiple sides, you know, of the mountain. Um, anyway, just I just thought it was, uh, it was uh, a lovely um, image of, yeah, of yeah, it's, uh, it's, the point where the point where they all meet. You know, right, you just have right. to get high. You know, get high enough, and you can see that. You know, we're um, it's like, what are we fighting about? You know, it's right. all, it's all well. I mean, first of all, I, I love Will. He's a great guy, and and his teaching is always very wise. I mean, when you're, when you're at the base of the mountain, the mountain seems so big that there's room for all these differences, and you can't see that they're all one. The the peak of the mountain is small, and so everything comes together there i would just add that once you get to the top of the mountain you have to jump off so that that if you're still if you're still a jew a christian a hindu a buddhist uh you know an atheist a uh you know whatever i don't know what i left out a muslim a christian if you're if you're still a labeled individual when you reach the top of the mountain then there's one more step and that's to jump off because eventually ultimately you're none of those things 
Right. And they are, you know, that's why I love in the, in, uh, where, where St. Paul says, there is no uh, Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female in, in Christ Jesus. And, and again, understanding Christ Jesus to mean this cosmic consciousness, all those dis- divisions um, simply melt away. And then from that place of, of absolute liberation, then we, we re-engage with one another so that we don't reinstitute the slave-free, the the religious divisions, and the the divisions between men and women. We've transcended it. We realize it's all a narrative that we can do without. Now, how do we create a a society with a much more open, loving, egalitarian, and just story? Yes. Oh, that's so beautifully said. So once you accept intellectually or experience directly the truth that there is only one ultimate reality or supreme consciousness that is the source and substance of all that is, as you're saying, like the next thing is, okay, so how do you, how do you start to live, you know, from that spot? And uh, one key practice from uh, the yoga tradition is uh, harmlessness or ahimsa in Sanskrit. Because once we see that there really is only one, we want to practice harmlessness because we realize that when we hurt others, we are really hurting ourselves. So this is often expressed as the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And and you mentioned that the golden rule appears in almost every religion, but that it also uh, transcends religion. Um, Did you mean in the way that we're jumping off the mountain? Uh, is, is Is that what you were referring to? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think if you're looking for one, now we, we have to be careful how we apply it, uh, so that it's not, you know, a weak kind of application. Uh, but, but yeah, if, if, you know, whether the golden rule is in the positive, as Jesus put it, you know, like you just quoted, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, or in the negative, as Confucius and uh, Rabbi Hillel articulated, don't do to others what is hateful to you. Uh, however, however it's articulated, the idea is if you know your the interconnectedness of that, if you know that you're part of the whole and that you and I are actually one, then doing to you as I would do to myself, it, it's it's really drawing on self with that capital S. It's right. it's realizing that greater unity and then acting in a way that enhances that. And that does transcend religion. I, I wrote a book called The Games People Play, and it's about the ten, it's about, um, the uh, golden rule and why it doesn't work. And the reason in, in, in religion, you know, every religion has it and every religion violates it. So when you look to see where they violate it, they always violate it when they imagine some other that they're afraid of or they need to control and often and certainly on a maybe universally the other is women i mean most of these religions are invented by men and women are you know what the hell are women you know, when men go what is that i don't understand it what am i going to do with these people well i'm going to control yeah. them i'm going to make sure they have no power over me and you know all the things that that religion does i'm going to make them into second class citizens and cover them head to foot you know in a burqa and i'm going to make sure they can't teach in a church and you know all the things that that the different religions right. say um once once you've you have that other the golden rule goes out the window 
because now I'm doing unto others, in this case women, what I would definitely not want done to me. You know, right. so if you really took the the golden rule seriously and, and took it outside the ethnic limitations of your uh, culture that or, or the cultural limitations that you live with, then you can say, no, I wouldn't want to to be condemned for what I wear and I wouldn't want to be forbidden from driving a car and I wouldn't want to be a second class citizen or not recognized as a valid witness in court. So I'm going to do away with all those things. So yeah, I think that, that the golden rule is a great guide if you're already coming from a place of awareness. Otherwise, you can just twist it into the same nonsense that that we have, except now you call it something holy, like the golden rule. Right, right. So when we talk about, you know, harmlessness, um, we, to me we're really talking also, you know, about, about harmony and living in harmony. So how does inner spiritual study or how, I mean, we've talked about these groups and, you know, kind of the, you know, the goal, but I think then the goal is for people then to take it out into their lives, you know, not just be something that they study, you know, within a group, but, you know, that it, it transforms the way they live in some way. So how does inner spirituality help us? do that well let me let me just poke a little bit into the word harmony if by harmony we mean everything is always you know wonderful and peaceful and hunky-dory and there's you know there's no negativity anywhere i don't think that's possible i think that um what we have to have is a sense of harmony that embraces uh the, the things that we that we wrestle with, the things that we disagree with, that we make room. I mean, along with harmony, I would say that one of the key values we need to we need to cultivate is radical hospitality, and not only hospitality for the other person, but also hospitality for my own insanity, my own mad feelings, my own brokenness. Um, yeah. So that I'm not fighting myself and I'm not fighting you and I'm not trying to prove anything. But I do recognize that there are values that should not be crossed. So, for example, if, if you, if the, the notion of oneness that we get from yoga, that you get from mystical practices of all kinds, contemplative practices of all kinds, that is the ultimate to me. And, and if someone says, no, 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 it's really all about, um, fighting forces and and we we're not one that's they're wrong and i will stand against that now i want to make room for that person in my life i want to i want to be able to 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 converse with them to embrace them to to sit down and have a conversation with them but harmony doesn't mean that i have to either get them to agree with me or get or have them get me to agree with them then we're going to end up we're going to end up just bullying one another harmony's got to right. be so big that we can harmony includes discord and no, it, that's I a, love, that's I a real that challenge yeah, I know. I love the I love the phrase uh, radical hospitality. <laughs> I think that really captures something. So, uh, one of the parts of the World Wisdom Bible, uh, the chapter called uh, "Living Wisely, Dwelling in Wisdom from Day to Day," uh, includes advice for how to live in the highest way. And, and in yoga, of course, there are ethical principles that are two of the eight limbs of yoga: the yamas and the niyamas. Um, we've been talking about harmlessness, which is one of these 
ethical principles. There are all other ones such as uh, truthfulness, non-stealing, non-attachment, contentment, etc. Um, but I, I wanted to, again, give a chance to people uh, to hear um, or uh, maybe just for you to summarize, then, what are some of the other practices that show up in addition to the golden rule that we've been discussing um, that appear across faith traditions and that are brought out in the World Wisdom Bible? Yeah, so let me just read something from a text we haven't, or a tradition we haven't mentioned, which is Taoism. In the 67th poem of Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu says, I have three treasures. I hold on to them and protect them. The first is called compassion. The second is called conservation. And the third is called not daring to be ahead in the world. You know, not daring to dominate. So, you know, practicing compassion, practicing the, the conservation of life, practicing humility. I mean, those are things that, that all religions, I think, talk about. Uh, and those are, those are other practices. And the Ten Commandments, for example, you can, if you don't take them at face value, I, I think the man's name is, uh, I don't know if I'm even pronouncing it right, but Leloup, L-E-L-O-U-P, I think, is a translator of uh, the Bible and in, in French. And he talks about taking the Ten Commandments and not saying, thou shalt, blah, 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 but rather translating it as, you are capable of. You are capable of living in such a way as not to create idols. You are capable of living in such a way as to honor the elderly. You are capable of living in such a way as to take a day off and unplug yourself from the Internet. You know, I don't think exactly that's what's in Exodus, but you get the idea. So <laughs> I thought I read it there. No, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, the, the Buddha says in the Dhammapada, you know, let us leave aside anger, let us forsake pride, let us overcome all bondage. I mean, these are these are all practices. I mean, I could, I could go through. I think it, I don't know if that's all that helpful, but let me let me share one practice that I think is incredibly profound, practical, and doable. Starting as soon as the well, starting now. Uh, and, and our listeners can do it now or, or certainly when they, they, the show is over. Uh, and it's the practice of, in Judaism, it's called uh, Lashon Hara, avoiding the evil tongue. And the idea is to not gossip and, and to use your language, use your words in a way that heals rather than harms. There's this wonderful teaching in Jewish mystical tradition of Hasidism, the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidism in the 1700s. He said that each human being is born with a fixed number of words to speak. Not the words themselves. Whatever the words are, that's what the, that's, that's your choice. But the number is fixed. And when you speak your last word, when you've run out, you've used them all up, you die. So my my rule of thumb is since I don't know what my you know how many words I've got left, is it, the next one could be my last one. Do I want to die on a hurtful word? Do I want to die on a nasty word? Or should I be very careful and keep my words you know, holy and loving and, and compassionate, so that if I end up saying the last word, at least I've I've died on a on a loving note and not on a note of spite. So I I really take that to heart. I mean I I'm not obviously I'm talking to you and I'm speaking a lot of words. I'm not too worried about running out at any <laughs> given moment. But 
You know, so I don't want people to go, oh my God, I've only got maybe only three words. What will I say? No, just don't worry about the number. Worry about the quality of what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's wonderful advice. Really wonderful advice. Um, so we're coming to the end of our time together, and I wanted to give you a la- the last word. <laughs> so, in oh, closing, no. I could die. Oh no! I'm <laughs> just the last word of the program. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so, is there uh, something that you'd like to share with listeners that might encourage them along the pathway of inner spiritual study, or perhaps inspire them to take a look at the World Wisdom Bible, or your website or something. Well, let me let me say two things quickly. One, just about the World Wisdom Bible. If you're interested in using the Bible to host a Cup of Wisdom event, check out the website. The website is oneriverfoundation.org, oneriverfoundation.org, and we'll send it to you. And you can you can try this on your own. The other thing that I would say more generally is to look at religion like language. Now, I, that, that's, that's something I think is really important, that, that we should look at religion like we look at language. All language is of human origin. No language is true or false. Every language is unique. There are things you can say in one language you can't say or can't say as well in another language. And the more langu- languages we know, the more nuanced our understanding of reality is. And... You know, I mean, I, I've studied lots of languages. I'm not fluent in anything really but English. But I know enough of Sanskrit and Hebrew and some German and some French uh, and some Japanese that, that it just it, it just enriches my understanding of life because I have a larger vocabulary. And what's true with actual language is true with religion as language. The more religions you know, even if you're not fluent, but the more religions you know, the more nuanced and subtle and uh, really joyous your understanding of, of existence becomes. So I would encourage people to study the world's religions, to, to certainly take a look at books like the World Wisdom Bible, but to really approach religion as language and become multilingual in the world of the spirit. Mm. Yeah, it's just really, really lovely. I think it, it really um, gives us a new way of looking at religion that um, somehow makes the whole idea uh, a lot less threatening, I think, you know, to people. So just really lovely, really, really lovely. Um, it's just been a wonderful uh, experience to have you on the show again. You've Thanks, been listening Laura. to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with our listeners and, of course, with you, Rami. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien, and we've been discussing Building Harmony, the Role of Interspirituality with special guest Rami Shapiro, award-winning author of over 30 books on religion and spirituality, as well as a columnist for Spirituality and Health magazine and host of the weekly podcast Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami. You can find out more about Rami Shapiro at the websites rabbirami.com and oneriverfoundation.org. So, Rami, thanks again for joining us. It's just been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. 
Uh, please note for our listeners, there are previous episodes with Rami Shapiro in the Yoga Hour archives at unity.fm on the Yoga Hour program page. Uh, there are a couple uh, that I noted from uh, 2011, one in February, 20, February 24th, 2011, on Solomon's Sutras, Teachings for Cultivating a Wise and Understanding Heart. And there were a, it was like a dual episode, May 5th and 12th, A Guide to Joy, Lessons from Ecclesiastes for Seekers of Truth. Um, join us next week when Yogacharya O'Brien will be joined by Khalid Husseini, best-selling author of the novels The Kite Runner and A Thousand Splendid Sons, for a conversation about radical hope through literacy of the heart. The times we live in require us to develop a literacy of the heart, a deeper quality of listening, discerning, and connecting heart-to-heart and soul-to-soul. Tune in and discover how reading, writing, and listening can bring forth profound questions, surprising graces, and the palpable presence of radical hope. And for those listening, in April 2017, there's an upcoming class with Yogacharya O'Brien called How to Have a Wise Mind and Compassionate Heart, which begins April 25th and goes through May 16th. Um, It is available uh, online as well as in person and at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition, and you can find out more about CSE at uh, csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular ho- regular host, founder, and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Nita Kenyon, Ann Hayes, and Sean Smith, and also, also Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world.
Peace in the presence of conflict. Love in the presence of hatred. Forgiveness in the presence of injury. These words are easy to say. It's challenging, though, to live them in everyday life. After all, I can make my words and actions peaceful, but I have no control over the words and actions of others. That's true, but think about it. If you, then I, then others, one by one, responded in love in every situation, the effect would be like the wave you see spread across a sports stadium. It would go on and on, gaining momentum as it moved through the people around us. I can let peace begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today 